Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, November 8th. Today on the show, Nashville SC wraps up its second season in the MLS. Caleb Plant makes Nashville proud even in defeat. The Tennessee Volunteers finally break through and get a signature win for head coach Josh Heupel. But we begin with the craziness that was the Titans and Rams on Sunday Night Football. If you live in Nashville and you own a home, then you need to know the name The Kingston Group. They've been doing work in this market for a decade on people's houses, making people money and making them happy because they are trustworthy and they know what they're doing. That's it. It's not more complicated than that. BuildKG.com is the website. The Kingston Group. Give them a call. Have a conversation. You will be better for it, and I promise you that. I give you my word. That's The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Well, I guess we need to start with a big, I was dead wrong. The Titans lost the best running back on the planet this week, and we're taking on a Super Bowl contender on the road after winning three straight games as an underdog. In any normal circumstance, it would have been totally acceptable for a team to take one on the chin, as I thought was going to happen. But this Titans team is proving to be anything but normal. There was no Derrick Henry, no Taylor Lewan, no real consistent offense to speak of at all against an elite defense, and yet somehow the Titans won 28-16 on Sunday night over the Rams in Los Angeles on national television. It was the definition of a culture win. Hell, you can use all of the cliches if you want to. The physical, team-first identity of this Mike Vrabel coach team earned the Titans their fifth straight win and fourth in a row as an underdog, and in the process, planted themselves atop the AFC as the one seed. It definitely wasn't pretty on offense. Here were the Titans' drives for the night. Four plays, 19 yards. Three plays, five yards. Three plays, four yards. One play, two yards. 14 plays, 64 yards. Okay, that was Titan-esque. Six plays, 20 yards, six plays, 28 yards, three plays, nine yards, eight plays, 25 yards, and seven plays, and 59 yards. They had two sustained offensive possessions the entire game. Adrian Peterson, Jeremy McNichols, and Dante Foreman combined for 22 carries, 74 yards, and a single touchdown in their first game trying to replace Henry. Julio Jones was back, but he and A.J. Brown combined for just 77 yards. Ryan Tannehill turned the ball over, averaged just 5.3 yards per attempt, and took three more sacks. And they mustered just 194 yards of total offense all night. The Rams certainly helped and could not get out of their own way, taking 12 penalties for 115 yards. But man, that defensive line, y'all, it showed flashes and made some big plays against the Bills. It was utterly dominant against the Kansas City Chiefs. It did a really solid job against an excellent Colts offensive line last week. And as Bud Dupree and Danico Autry continue to get healthier and more comfortable alongside Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons, this unit continues to be the difference, and it was again on Sunday. They pressured Matt Stafford the entire first half, and it led directly to two touchdowns, a David Long interception inside the Rams' five-yard line, and a pick six from Kevin Byard, who is now back playing all-pro-level safety on the back end. The Titans sacked Stafford five times, including three from Simmons, and held the Rams out of the end zone until the final minute. As Simmons said after the game, they just keep affecting the quarterback, and that is most certainly what they did on Sunday night. This defensive line is what will make this team special, and even without Henry and lots of other injured players, this team is doing the unthinkable, winning every single tough game against playoff teams and doing it as an underdog. Of the seven wins, 
six have come against teams that were in the postseason last year, and five have come with the Titans as outright underdogs. Overtime on the road, come from behind with Derrick Henry, without him, Julio Jones, Taylor Lewan, or not, this Titans team just keeps finding ways to win. And I feel like a broken record at this point, but in the NFL, the win-loss record is literally the only thing that matters. And the Titans are now 7-2. and two. Saturday night's 45-42 win over Kentucky embodied the vision of what Tennessee football was supposed to look like when Josh Heupel was hired as the Volunteers' head coach. Two relatively evenly matched teams playing in a rivalry game in which big play after big play provided tremendous entertainment for both fan bases, even if it also made you want to pull out your hair as well. But in all the best ways. It was wonderful fun in Lexington. And that's not really a new thing for this Vols team. It was wonderful fun against Pittsburgh and a Heisman caliber quarterback. It was wonderful fun for 59 minutes against Ole Miss. Wonderful fun against Florida and Bama for two, three quarters. But this time, the Vols figured out a way to win, and that makes it even more fun. While the offense is Heupel's bread and butter, Hendon Hooker averaged an absurd 15.8 yards per attempt, rolling up 45 points, 461 yards, and posting an equally absurd and season-best 9.8 yards per play as an offense. It was once again the defense that delivered two huge stops in critical fourth-down, fourth-quarter situations. Sure, they gave up over 600 yards of offense, more than 40 points, and spent more than three quarters on the field. But when it mattered the most, the Vols got two huge stops. They got two big stops against Pittsburgh, down by one score in the fourth quarter of that loss. They got three straight stops to end the game against Ole Miss. But each time, the offense couldn't do enough to win the game and give Heupel and Big Orange Nation a signature moment to celebrate. That wasn't a problem on Saturday. The offense did more than enough this time, and despite being on the field for 99 plays, those last two stops for the defense were game winners. And while the contest was high-scoring and looked a lot like a traditional Josh Heupel type of game, the job this defense has done for most of the season has been remarkable, even if the numbers don't tell the whole story. Most importantly, the win on Saturday night does one major thing. If the Vols can take care of business against South Alabama and Vanderbilt, we'll just ignore the Georgia game for now, then Josh Heupel's first season can only be considered a monumental success. Facing NCAA violations and investigations, a torched roster, no idea what to do at quarterback, something he didn't exactly help by starting Joe Milton, which is beyond comprehension, and a daunting schedule loaded with top 25 teams, Heupel has potentially figured out a way to post a winning regular season, which of course would hit the Vegas over, get to a bowl game, and give his team a chance at eight wins. I expected 5-7, and seven, maybe 6-6 six and six best case scenario. But with a road win over a top 20 Kentucky team, he will likely outperform expectations. And oh, by the way, we'll have a chance to finish second in the East and 4-4 four and four in the SEC. Things that none of us predicted back in the summer. Sunday was the final day of the MLS season, also known as Decision Day, and there was a lot left to be decided. Nashville SC hosted the New York Red Bulls at Nissan Stadium in the season finale, and after just one minute, the boys in gold were trailing already. But after battling back and holding on, Nashville SC secured a 1-1 draw to end the season. The result gave SC a 12-4-18 regular season record for the year, a plus-22 goal differential, 54 points, and a third-place finish in the Eastern Conference. 
Nashville had the fewest losses in the entire MLS this season and the most draws. Keeper Joe Willis also finished with 13 clean sheets, leading the league for the second straight season in shutouts, only the third keeper in MLS history to accomplish the feat in back-to-back seasons. And so the bracket is set. New England is the top seed in the East and will get a bye into the second round. Nashville SC will host six-seeded Orlando City in the first round and would play the winner of the Philadelphia-New York Red Bulls 2-7 matchup in the second round. If Nashville advances, they would visit the Union in Philly if they win or would host the Red Bulls if New York pulls the upset. On the opposite side of the bracket, New York City FC will host Atlanta United in the 4-5 first round matchup. With matches not taking place until after the international break, roughly two weeks from now, we've got plenty of time to analyze the matchups, the draw, the strategy, and anything else that could possibly determine Nashville SC's MLS Cup playoff fate. But for now, what truly is remarkable and what truly matters, the headline of the weekend is that this team has gone from an expansion franchise created out of thin air to playoff mainstay in just two seasons. Head coach Gary Smith and general manager Mike Jacobs and those players have now made the playoffs in each of the franchise's two seasons, and they have established themselves as one of the better organizations in the league in very short order. Congratulations to Nashville SC on an even better second season in the league. Canelo Alvarez defeated Nashville's Caleb Plant on Saturday night with a technical knockout in the 11th round. In typical Alvarez fashion, he took his time in the early rounds studying his opponent and sticking with his plan to throw heavy shots to the body for the entirety of the fight. Plant held his own, though, as a heavy underdog. He won a few rounds early and stood toe-to-toe, chin-to-chin with arguably the best boxer in the world. Alvarez's talent, power, patience, and experience was just too much for Plant. He's arguably this generation's best fighter for a reason. But Plant made him work for it, and that is something he should be proud of. There is no shame in what Caleb Plant accomplished Saturday night, and it could actually lead to a rematch, because very few fighters stand up to Alvarez the way Plant did on Saturday night. His defensive skill, quickness, and fundamentally sound footwork allowed him to avoid taking many big hits, frustrating Alvarez for the first eight or nine rounds or so, and frankly, earning his respect along the way. Plant threw 441 punches, mostly jabs, landing 23%, while Alvarez threw 361 punches, landing 32%, below his career numbers, but was significantly better with his power punches, and that was the difference in the fight eventually. The two fighters had been very chippy and aggressive leading up to the fight, but the two gladiators spent a long moment together right after the fight in the ring speaking to one another, apologizing, congratulating, and encouraging by all accounts. It was a pretty cool moment to see a kid from Ashland City standing on the biggest stage in all of boxing, going punch for punch with a generational talent deep into the 11th round, and then earning his praise. Plant hit the mat for the first time in his entire career after a nasty three-punch combo along the ropes midway through the penultimate round. He got himself up and tried to finish the round, but Alvarez smelled blood and just kept coming at him pretty hard, and a nasty right hand to the side of the head sent Plant to the ground for good. I am proud of what Caleb Plant did on Saturday night, proud to hear by way of Nashville, Tennessee, in front of a sold-out MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, in front of Mike Tyson, Dave Chappelle, and countless other big stars. Alvarez became an undisputed super middleweight champion, unifying all four belts, and oh, by the way, got $40 million out of the deal as well as the sport's biggest attraction. But our guy, Caleb Plant from Nashville, Tennessee, went out there and gave Canelo Alvarez a real test, and for that, he and Nashville should be proud. He also made a cool $10 bucks himself, so not a bad way to lose if you think about it. 
Of course, special thanks to the Kingston Group for bringing you this podcast every single morning for free. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they can be found at buildkg.com. Why do anything major on your house spend a ton of money on your house without having a conversation with a trusted professional who's going to look out for your best interests? This is where the Kingston Group comes in. Buildkg.com is the website. Go talk to them. That's all I ask. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, my name is Braden Gall. Please share the show. Tell somebody about it. We really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. This has been the 444 Monday, November 8th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. <laughs>